HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food and beverage radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Cheese State University. Cheese State University was created for dedicated cheese professionals seeking to deepen their knowledge, sharpen their skills, and build connections. Join them in the Ivy League of Cheese Education at CheeseStateUniversity.com. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. I'm Southern Teague. And I'm Greg Benson. The boys are back in town. Yeah, right. Damon, you're back. <laughs> yeah. You're back. I had to take a week off. You look like you gained a, about an eighth of an ounce of weight. Is, are you wearing a ring or something? <laughs> <laughs> it's a different kind of eighth ounce. Um, hey, all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I got my uh, got my bling on. Um, yeah, it was great. We uh, got married on Saturday, Jamie and I, and uh, yeah, it was great. Uh, we had a, a great turnout. Um, you know, leading up to you know like the week last week, it was just like I was like, oh my god, I didn't invite this person, and I didn't invite this person. <laughs> so it, like, I, it sucks because you're throwing this party and you. You know, with with wedding venues, you have a, like a limited number depending sure. on the venue, and ours was about a hundred. We were originally just going to have like kind of family with friends, but then we're like, fuck it, you know, like we're kind of in the clear uh, as far as like any kind of like COVID kind of stuff goes. But um, yes, yeah, so we it was it was a big small party, and sure. it was great, man. Um, one of my favorite restaurants out here, El Davide, they did the catering and it was awesome. Uh, the cocktails too. And just had a bunch of good friends. Ramblin' Jack Elliott played. Um, uh, he's a legendary musician, like contemporary Bob Dylan, actually kind of a mentor of Bob Dylan's. Oh, wow. And uh, he was wow. good friends with Woody Guthrie and all this. Like, he's like, he's a badass. And uh, he's still doing it. And we got him to play our wedding, which is crazy. And wow. Uh, yeah, it was really legendary um so yeah it was great and then i you know slept all day sunday basically because uh yeah it's, it's a lot you know it's well, a lot of planning it. it's a, a year or two worth of planning and then it's over in the blink of an eye right it's except, like a, except it's for like, the you wish the debt was out of the way in the blink of an eye, but, <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, there's that. It's uh, it, you know, it's like riding rides at the amusement park. Long line, quick ride, right? Right. Um, totally. But worth it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to get to hang out with all your friends and and get up in front of everybody and do the thing. You did the thing, buddy. I did it. It's done. <laughs> you finally. I mean, it, now it begins. I guess. <laughs> you, yeah, you, 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 there we go. <laughs> now it begins. <laughs> well, listen, man. Uh, Huge congratulations to you and Jamie. Um, you know, wish you. I could have been there, but uh, you know the world is pitted against me right now with the time and my own schedule. Um, yeah. but, uh, very, very happy that, that it went down. Um, well, let's get right into the show because I think we got a lot to talk about today. Uh, our guest uh, is joining us all the way from London. We've got uh, the, I guess, founder would be the right word for fifty uh, fifty best bars, right? Mark Sansom, welcome to the Speakeasy. Hi guys, Greg Sother, Damon. Very nice for you to have me back on. Um, very quick correction: I wouldn't claim to be the founder of Fifty Best. I am okay. a mere employee. Uh, I've been oh, working right. for the brand for about uh, just over four and a half years. Yeah, we started in two thousand nine. Oh, okay, a lot older than I thought it was. I, I was trying to dig around and find out how old Fifty Best was. So that's good to know. It's been around since two thousand nine. Um, well, yeah, 50 Best Bars has been around since 2009. World's 50 Best Restaurants, which is our sister brand, uh, 2002, so 21 years. Right. Wow. <clears throat> right. This, you, you're the spin from, from the restaurant. And soon to be, there's going to be a hotel branch, right? Indeed, we'll jump, yeah. yeah. We'll jump into that a bit later. Um, I kind of wanted to talk about, like, how does it even begin? You know, let's we can go all the way back to the 50 Best Restaurants, I guess. But how does how does such a thing become scalable. I, I can't imagine trying to rank the 50 best anything uh, in my town, in my small part of my town, much less the 50 best whatever it is in the world, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, it's actually quite a quite an interesting Genesis story. Uh, back in 2002, uh, the then editor of a British publication called Restaurant Magazine, um, it started out as a feature idea for that magazine, um, and he just wanted to rank the 50 best restaurants in the world. So it started as a back page feature in that magazine. So he got in touch with a number of contemporaries all over the world. I think the original launch panel was sort of 40 or 50 people. Um, he essentially just got in touch with them and asked for their 10 favorite restaurants anywhere, uh, compiled, the, compiled the votes and published them. And the, the interest in that was just absolutely monster. Uh, even from that first first issue, restaurant now is unfortunately unfortunately shuttered, but its legacy of fifty best has kind of lived on. Then, mm -hmm. yeah, twenty one years down the line, with the world's fifty best restaurants, we've got um, twenty eight global academies which are voting all over the world, and just under eleven hundred voters. Um, and yeah, likewise with the world's fifty best bars, which launched two thousand nine. We've also got 28 global academies um, and just under 700. So this year's vote will have 690 panelists from all over the world. That's the top line. 690 panelists, meaning sort of judges in this in this arena, right? And how are they vetted? How how do you decide who gets to be that role, or do they come to you? Like how does that? Like I guess I guess there's a lot of mystery around what you do, especially for those of us who are often in the race. Um, to even know how to get noticed, how to raise your hand, how to get nominated, how to get like, like just try and clear some of the fog for us right here in the studio and also for the listener. 
Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I'm here to deshroud that mystery. And if anyone wants to sort of have a deep dive into into the rules and how the voting set up, that's all on our um, that's all on our website. There's no, we try not to let there be any mystery to it. So that's at the world's fifty bestbars.com. Um, but yeah, essentially, so those twenty eight global panels um, that I, that I mentioned, they each are headed by an academy chair, and that academy chair is the person who selects the voters for for their region. Um, and they will select those voters based on a criteria or a broad criteria of 50% bartenders and bar owners, um, 25% drinks writers and drinks educators. And the final 25% are what we call um, cocktail aficionados, essentially people who sit on the other side of the bar uh, and, and enjoy a good drink. Al- and of course, alcoholics, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Professional uh, alcoholics. Pro- pro- keen drinkers, yeah. yeah people yes. who uh, people enjoy the consumption. Um, so yeah, so that's how that's kind of how it's divvied up, and then we try and keep the actual voting itself as simple as possible. All we do is ask each of those voters to give us their seven best bar experiences over the past eighteen months, ranked from one to seven. So the first will get seven points, the second will get six points, third, fifth, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, essentially, we just compute that, those votes. We've um, we've developed a secure voting system. We compute the votes and then we hand them over to professional consultancy agency Deloitte. Uh, Deloitte do all the due diligence. They make sure that people um, people have visited the bars. We spot checks on those, and then we yeah they give them back to us, and then we just essentially report on the list. I mean, when you break it down, it sounds pretty straightforward. <laughs> I mean, but it's still massive. It's, it's, it's still shit. it's still massive. That sounds like a, a you know a lot of a lot of bananas to be overseen by the monkeys. You know, um, <laughs> how, like how do you wrangle those folks? And uh, you know, again, um, and then they they remain anonymous, right? They don't they don't stomp into the bar and say, "I'm here to to you know like right." No, absolutely. Yeah. So the only visible voters are the Academy chairs, those 28 people, and they're selected um, thanks to their prominence in the industry and their contacts in their local areas. Um, And they've also got no affiliations or allegiances to a bar and neither are any of the bartender voters allowed to vote for a property in which they have a stake, a financial stake. So Mm. we've we've got lots of sort of red flag checks on our system, which looks into that. And and Deloitte, likewise, um, helps us out with that. So, yeah, those academy chairs, they're generally journalists who are meant to be impartial. They um, and also very, very well connected in their respective bar scenes. And they essentially do the work for us, wrangling those bartender voters and trying to get them to vote in that two week window, which um, if you ever tried to get a bartender to do something in two weeks, um, you, you don't, you'd, you'd understand why we quite often have to extend that that window of voting to make sure we get a good, uh, good footprint. I'm sure, I'm sure you've planned for the extension, right? Yeah, um, we do, plenty of it. I, you know, I don't want to go down the negative road here, but I would like to address at least surely you have to deal with some smoke and some blowback year after year from those who feel they were slighted or jilted or overlooked, uh, or even those who feel like, um, you know, personally, I, I literally had to kind of sit down with one of my team uh, and, and, you know, talk him off the ledge when he thought like, well, these other bars must be paying money to get in there. You don't accept any bribes. You don't accept any, um, you know, I, I know there's, I, I, I have, having been on the list a few times, I know that I didn't pay a penny to be on there. How do you deal with those who just simply believe that that's not true? Yeah, I mean, like you're quite right. After every time we we produce a 50 best list, there are always people who who question what we do and the methodology and, and sort of the integrity of it. But um, we we can come back and show everyone these these Deloitte reports and where the votes have come from. But in terms of 
when people sort of slide down the list, drop off the list, unfortunately, there can only be 50 best bars in the world at any one time. Um, sometimes bars which which have fewer have fewer seats and fewer sort of opportunities available for people to come through. And I think, Sotha, your bar, I think that might be um, that might be where where UCAR has might maybe suffered in in recent years where you might have dropped off. But essentially, um, there's no sort of secret to get on the list. And we realise that from year to year, it is quite objective. Um, we say that they're, the, they're they're empirically the 50 best bars in the world. But look, what's my best bar is going to be different to your best bar, and that might change from day to day. And a lot of it will completely determine on how that person feels when they come into your bar that day or how they feel when they come to park, cast their vote. So we just say it's a kind of, it's a snapshot in time and we just try and report on that sort of contemporary zeitgeist uh, and give that list of that moment. But yeah, we do appreciate that there's, um, that it's hard. <laughs> yeah. And that, and that kind of brings up something that, that I wanted to talk to you about in terms of, you know, because I mean, a bar is so much more than just the flavor of the things you put in your face while you're there, right? Like there's so many things that go into it. And there's actually a, a new sort of, I'm not sure what to call it, a, a, a branch, a subcategory, a new tentacle of what you're doing that is uh, has to do with bar design, Is that which I think is awesome. I love just geeking out over, you know, aesthetics and like just tasteful decor and like how a place is set up. I think that influences the experience that people have in so many ways that you just don't see unless you're looking for it so I'm where, sure that, where like, did functionality that come from? probably comes into play with that as well right i mean like it, it's one thing to have i'm sure we've all worked in bars where it's like you walk in and you're like oh my god this is amazing and then you get behind the back bar and you're like what the fuck happened here like yeah, who decides <laughs> why is ice well all the way over there and like yeah <laughs> No and water. once you see it, you can't turn it off. Like, you know, right. I've been a guest in so many places where I've walked in and I'd be like, that is so beautiful and so impractical. And I bet everyone who works here fucking hates it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah guys, you're absolutely spot on. So we only announced the Barrackston Best Bar Design Award yesterday. Um, and the first thing we decided that we were going to do when we were going to branch into that field of, of design and architecture, we realized that we have essentially no expertise in that space. So I've kind of rounded up um, a panel of, sort of six of the greatest minds in like hospitality design and architecture and people who have built celebrated bars everywhere from, from San Francisco to, to London to Singapore and, um, and New Delhi um, and essentially ask them to come together. And if they were going to create a design award, what would what would be the points where they would judge it? And sure, there's, a, there's an element of taste and style, but that's only a very small part of it. Ergonomics and accessibility for both the bartender and the, and the guest is absolutely key. The height of the speed rail, height of the fridges, um, how many times are they going to have to be bending down on a shift? Um, all, all that's going to come into play with it. And we've asked for yeah, the submissions from the from the bars themselves to to take into account all of those elements. And yeah, accessibility for all guests. How um, how the facility, how accessible each of the facilities are. Also, the um, ecological compatibility of those bar bars. What's the use of materials like? Um, how efficiently is it using electricity, ice? What are those sort of protocols for disposing of ice at the end of the day? Uh, and then the final, um, the final element of the judging process is the emotional quotient. Essentially, how how does that leave the judge feel feel when they actually leave the leave the bar? So, yeah, we've got we've got some really really great people who have set up our um, the judging criteria. 
and yeah, from yesterday, bars all over the world have been have been entering and submitting uh, their architectural plans, schematic drawings, uh, video tours. So really excited to see how this one how this one runs. Nice, amazing. Yeah, I actually come from a design background, so I, oh, wow. you know, to me, it's like a, it's huge for me, and I, I it's, you know, it. We're probably our, you know, our own worst critics, right? You know, being bar owners and bartenders, it's like walk into a place and we're like, oh man, this is beautiful. But then, you know, as Craig and Souther said, it's like, you're like, okay, what the hell is that thing doing there? It's beautiful, <laughs> but it makes no sense uh, for functionality and, uh, and like production, you know? And I don't know, there's, there's so many different styles of, of design that you can use. And it, it, like one, there's one bar in Greenpoint in Brooklyn that the walk-in is just right there. Uh, it's, I don't know if it's still around. It's called Ramona. Um, but you can, when, you're, when you're behind the bar, you just walk over and the walk-in's right there. And it, it, I was just like, that's fucking brilliant. Yeah. Uh, I don't have to run through like down the hall or into the basement through the kitchen to get to the walk-in to like grab one lemon. I mean, you should never just be <laughs> grabbing one lemon. But, um, <laughs> yeah. but you know what I mean? It's just like, I was like, man, if I had a raw space, Next time I build a bar, I'm going to put the walk-in right there at the end of the bar. Yeah. Oddly, mm-hmm. that, that's an oddly common Change thing out, out in L.A. <laughs> I noticed several bars out in L.A. that have the walk-ins just off the, just off the edge of the bar. Um, oftentimes, though, you know, you got to do with what you got, you know. Like, I don't want to yep, continually totally. use my own experience, but Amore Margo was a closet when I took uh, literally a closet. It was the dry storage from another business. Uh, and we crammed it in as best we could, you know, like you just go with what you got. Um, yeah. But uh, but I'm really excited to see this category uh, out there because, you know, uh, obviously we're, we're, we're very visual, you know, I think we're all glued to our devices looking at Instagram and TikTok and stuff. And I love to see these beautiful bars, you know, like they're very inspiring. Yeah, I think, uh, I, was it uh, Atlas, Atlas Obscura has the, uh, was it Gastro Obscura or something like that? Um, and it's just like, Oh man, it's just like bar porn, you know, uh, and like 50 best. <laughs> and like, there's, it's like following these accounts. It's just like, it's almost like some of, some of these bars just look fake, you know, they straight up look <laughs> right. fake. There's like, there's no way, uh, <laughs> it's totally AI. <laughs> I'd massively recommend that you guys and, and, and all of your listeners check out one of our judges, actually, Anirudh Singh. Um, sorry, Anirudh Singhal. He is the the man for designing bars in India, and he's got the um, he's got the very enviable claim that he has designed every single bar that has ever made a fifty best list from India. And some of his wow. designs are just um, are just out of this world, but they're also very ergonomic, very practical, and very popular with the people who work those bars. And he's also just branched into into home bars and he's crafting uh, oh, cool. and, and distributing home bars bar setups all over the world so yeah I mean, without giving him too much of a plug yeah metabex his um his bar business and house of bars um are are, are really special yeah i'll definitely check that out Incredible. Um, yeah uh because i think that you just nailed it right you said the that the the public is happy to be at those bars and so are the teams that work there because often i think at least in some of the places that i've visited here in the united states uh, in the in the past few years, the design team is very attuned to making a beautiful space for the guests. But the the afterthought is the well. The afterthought is the back bar. The that's uh, not their expertise. So it just becomes um, I don't know swept under the rug, and then it just again the team just has to deal with what they what they're left with. 
so happy to see that people are you know finally focusing on it you know maybe maybe once we get uh back into the actual physical hr and studios we can get back to our bar design yeah. <laughs> right so there <laughs> yeah maybe we can hire this cat <laughs> yeah let's get, him in there. let's get him in there um man i would love to be back in the studio uh i'm wondering you know i haven't been there in three years i'm wondering like if all that i hope i hope all that booze has been plundered by now otherwise yeah, it's seriously just, <laughs> otherwise it's just sitting there in effigy to us um well let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors we're going to come right back and keep talking to mark sansom about 50 best bars uh and there's plenty to talk about uh, uh that's coming up uh, so stay tuned we'll be right back every glass of wine tells a story and these stories reveal hidden histories, flavors, passions, and sometimes they unravel our darkest desires. In Wine Enthusiast's newest podcast, Vinfamous, journalist Ashley Smith dissects the underbelly of the wine world. We hear from the people who know what it means when the product of love and care becomes the source of greed, arson, even murder. Each episode takes listeners into the mysterious and historic world of winemaking and the crimes that have since become, well... Infamous. This podcast pairs well with wine lovers, history nerds, and crime junkies. So grab a glass of your favorite and follow the podcast to join as we delve into the twists and turns behind the all-time most shocking wine crimes. Follow Infamous on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen, and be sure to follow the show so you never miss a scandal. New episodes drop every other Wednesday. Cheers. This episode is brought to you by Cheese State University. Cheese State University was created for dedicated cheese professionals seeking to deepen their knowledge, sharpen their skills, and build connections. It feels like a gift to be able to give this gift to people because I know that from my own experiences, I know how valuable, consolidated, mm -hmm. incredible training resources are. They offer an in-depth education on all things cheese, as well as an active network for peer support and career development. You can pop over to the Quad, which is our social networking and engagement app. Um, and so that's a really fun and dynamic aspect of Cheese State University. Cheese State's three-part course is designed for seasoned pros and entry-level mongers alike and covers all the skills one needs to perform on the cheese counter. The structure of Cheese State University is all based on the Cheese State University Field Guide. Um, and that is a three-volume resource. It's all digital online. At the end of the course, students will be ready to ace the field guide assessment and earn their Cheese State Scholar Certificate. Another resource is a video series where we tackle sort of like these thornier questions that you can get on the cheese counter, like what is rennet and like why is this cheese so expensive and can pregnant people even eat cheese? At Cheese State, you're among experts, you're among scholars, you're among cheese lovers, and most importantly, you are a monger. Join them in the Ivy League of Cheese Education at CheeseStateUniversity.com. And we are back. You are listening to The Speakeasy here on Heritage Radio Network, where today we're talking with Mark Sansom from World's 50 Best Bars. And we're talking a little bit about the origin story and kind of what, what exactly makes a 50 Best Bar. But now I want to talk a little bit about uh, some events that you have coming up in the in one case, in the very near future, because you have something that's on the books for next week uh, in Mexico. Isn't that right? Yeah. So um, the second ever edition of North North America's 50 Best Bars will be announced um, in San Miguel de Allende, Mexico, 
uh, next Thursday, 4th of, 4th of May. So, yeah, we're, we're all systems go on that at the moment. And we're really excited to, yeah, after the launch last year in, in New York, taking it south of the border and um, opening it up. And we're really pleased to really pleased to report that we've got all 50 bars uh, in attendance this year, last year, lots of them came to came to New York, but the um, the Mexican bars really struggled to get north of the border with relatively short notice to get visas, etc. So we couldn't couldn't get a great attendance um, from, from from those guys. But yeah, really pleased to be in San Miguel next 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 week, and it's going to be it's going to be a real party for the across the course of the week. Nice. Yeah these these events are a blast. I've been to one in London. I've been to the one that was here in New York, and to get. All these folks who are, you know, you know, we always talk about what our what our life is. Our life is throwing a party every night. To get all these people who throw a party every night to come together at a party for them, it's uh, it's 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 off the charts every time. Yeah, last year was pretty special because it was basically the the first event post pandemic that, yep. that people that people had been to, mm-hmm. um, and it was kind of like the well the first days of Rome, the last days of Rome. It was kind of um, <laughs> yeah, everyone everyone approached the approached the party with the right spirit. Uh, lots of spirit and lots of spirits uh, flowing, <laughs> flowing through everybody. I remember uh, doing laybacks of uh, a, a very expensive cognac. Like that's uh, it's not it's not a normal evening. Yeah, there was a bottle of Louis Trez <laughs> flying around, but of that's, course we're all that's we're, the we're, one. We're, yeah, we're, we're we're all practicing. Uh, we're all practicing very responsible drinking. Absolutely, was, uh, of course, yeah, yes. We were just we in celebratory mode. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you got that going on. You just announced also. A uh, good friend of ours, good friend of the show, uh, the Altos Bartenders Bartender Award. Talk about the award itself and then talk about the, the winner this year. Absolutely. Yeah. So the Altos Bartenders Bartender Award, it's the only peer voted award in our program. Um, so we ask the head bartenders of all of the 50 bars on this year's list. Um, so just a quick, very quick bit of background on those awards. So the bars who are on the list, they, they know they've made the top 50, but they don't know where they have placed until the awards themselves. So those 50, the head bartenders there, give the name of one individual who they think has, has done more for the craft of bartending in the, in the voting period of 18 months. Um, and yeah, it was great to reveal um, Christine Wiseman um, yes. last nice. week as the, as the winner. And my God, has she been popular. Oh man, she is <laughs> great. Uh, really, you know, fantastic person to be around um, and uh, I couldn't be happier to have her up there taking this award. Really, really very cool. Um, and she'll yeah, be down. She'll be down in Mexico next week with you to celebrate. She will indeed. Yeah, she's yeah. Uh, she's promising. She's promising to bring the party, and I'm I'm, I'm a little bit scared. I must say, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it sounds like a threat more than a promise. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't wait. She was in actually. She was in Europe in Barcelona for the the world's fifty best bars last year, and um, I must have seen her at three or four parties. And she really does bring the bring the vibe with her wherever she goes. So we'll absolutely welcome her with open arms um, in Mexico next week. Yeah, outstanding. Thanks. Um, you have some other subcategories that go on. One of them is the Michter's Art of Hospitality Award. Again, I'm going to ask you to talk about what that award is because I remember seeing seeing it get called, but I think my uh, my attentions were elsewhere. Um, <laughs> what what exactly is the Art of Hospitality Award, and uh, and then if you can reveal who took that one this year? Yeah, 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 for sure. So that was a relatively new one. We only introduced that um, post pandemic, the Michter's Art of Hospitality. Um, and that was, we just kind of thought that the most important thing which bars needed to celebrate to really cosset the guests and welcome them back in after the pandemic, the pandemic period was that service and hospitality. So yeah, we launched that in partnership with, um, with Mictus. 
And this year, so the way we vote for, or the way that is voted for is so the 260 members of the voting panel in North America, um, split across from Canada, um, the States, Mexico and the Caribbean. They're asked to name the, the, the one bar where they've had the single best hospitality experience in that 18 months. Um, and this year, yeah, Botanist Bar in Vancouver um, came out on top. And uh, I've not been fortunate enough to go myself, but my God, that one looks like a superb place as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's incredible. Good for them. I haven't been there either, but they're they're on my radar. Uh, that's that brings up a unique question. You yourself don't you haven't visited them all. Do you intend to? Can you? Is that even a possibility? The the list is churning and changing. Can you can you get them all before it's changed? Yeah, I mean, personally, I'd say no. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever be able to. I'll never be able to get around them all. Um, I actually did a count up um, the other day. So for the world's fifty best bars. I've been to I've been to 32 of them, um, which which I'm pretty proud of to be honest. Yeah, um, there's a few there's a few yeah, blind blind spots in in Latin America, but we do have um, sort of 50 best. Uh, I, I want to be polite in the way I call them 50 best followers who will literally go around the world after each after each list and tick off right. that they've been to all of the bars or all of the all of the restaurants in that in the in that particular list and we get lots of communication from people who are who are on the course doing that. And yeah, if you've got enough time and you've got enough money to um to, to get around all those, then good luck to you. Yeah. I mean yeah, yeah. that's that's what I spend my disposable time and money on anyway, is going around the world to fun bars. So <laughs> yeah. more power yeah. to them. No, quite right. Nice to have a route, a preordained route, right? Rather than uh, making it up as you go along. Which yeah, can be it's fun. good to have a good a good travel agent for these sorts of things. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's a market. Maybe that's yeah. a market we could look into, right? Setting yeah. up these um, setting up these tours. The fifty best yeah. travel agency coming soon. <laughs> I'm write it down. <laughs> yeah, go to the bars and then stay at the world's fifty best hotels. So there you go. Uh, well, you, you, funny you mentioned that. It was uh, yeah. Yeah, that's coming too, right? It um, is, yeah. So this year, well, this January, we announced that we were going to launch uh, launch the world's fifty best hotels. Um, it, we, that's been sort of ten years in the in the planning. Um, so we 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 obviously already do restaurants and bars, and for us, hotels just kind of completes that hospitality circle. Uh, and once yeah. we have hotels in place, which we will announce in in this September. Um, that will give us the opportunity to be um, that sort of one-stop shop for hospitality all over the world. So if you do want to come to our website, you know you can you can find a certainly uh, a rep- reputable and um, a good trip with um, the places linked. Yeah, that that number you just quoted sat, I, I, that surprised me. Ten years, sort of. T- could you run me through a little bit of like what the setup process for that was? Yeah, I mean, so we're quite strong in the hospitality space with our contacts. Um, so we've got uh, we've got a great academy of restaurant voters that's been growing year on year since 2002. Likewise with um, with bars since 2009. And um, but we started talking about uh, well, long before I joined 50 Best. I believe the conversations were were in play for a while to bring hospitality into that threshold. And then I joined the business in in 2019. Uh, and my background is a travel background. I was the editor of um, a travel magazine travel magazine here in the UK so I was kind of brought on to start developing those travel space hotel space contacts and that's what I've been doing in the now on five years since I've been here meeting the academy chairs and getting that panel of voters together and start really trying to speak to people because the, the voting for hotels will be quite similar to the other two the other two awards and the key thing to remember is we don't want to 
we don't want to make it a tick box exercise. So it's not like the star system. It's not like the AA system we have here in uh, in the UK. It's not like Michelin. The hotel doesn't necessarily have to have a swimming pool in the same way that the bar doesn't necessarily have to have 10 seats, you know, or a particular kind of kind of entrance and exit. Um, we very much want it to be at the disposal and at the choice of the voters themselves. So we just ask that they consider all aspects of their experience. That's the, the first contact point with the reception desk or the concierge desk, all the way through to the trip to the room, the room itself, the amenities that are on offer, um, then the F&B the, the facilities on show at the hotel, all the way to that checkout point uh, and how the, how the guest leaves the hotel. So we just want to know their seven best hotel experiences of the, of the voting period, which we're launching with two years. Man, that's... Uh... You know, so there I was just thinking, you know, uh, you know, Yolanda Edwards, who uh, has YOLO journal and like she's our academy her, chair. I was going to say she should be. There you go. Yeah, she is our <laughs> academy chair for, for, for North, <laughs> North America. So, yeah, glad you, uh, glad you brought her up. She's, she's been amazing in terms of the, the assistance and advice she's given to, given to us as we've uh, we've been establishing the, the awards yeah. themselves. She's at the top. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. Mark, I have to ask maybe a little more personal question of you. You know, having to look at and sort of quantify and put criterium onto the things that we consider kind of every day, going to a restaurant, going to a bar, possibly staying in a hotel. Are you sort of, is your mind ever just sort of stuck in that mode? Are you like, every time you brush your teeth, you're like, this is the 50 best uh, toothbrush I've ever owned. Or this, is the, this is the 50 best pair of shoes that I own. Uh, like, you, are you putting, are you doing that to everything you, in your oh, life? Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, is it, is it like torturing to, your sleep? I'd like, yeah. I mean, I haven't been sleeping very well recently. I, I, will, I will admit to that with, uh, with all the various launches we've had, but essentially rather than trying to put criteria on what I see it as my job as is to remove as many criteria as possible, particularly for the launching the hotels vote. I, I didn't want to start saying that, the voters have to vote for um you know three for example hotels outside of their outside of their home destination which we do with restaurants and bars main reason for that being i don't think people are partisan or loyal particularly to local hotels in the same way that they might be bars bartenders chefs or restaurants and i didn't want to have to say that you can't vote for more than three imprints of the same hospitality group sorry, the same hotel group, which we actually decided to incorporate for this year and year one and see how that goes. So for me, my job is more about removing criteria and making the vote as free as possible, rather than, um, I don't know, with your toothbrush analogy to, to make sure that the, the head is a, is a certain thickness and does it yeah. accommodate enough of uh, enough toothpaste. So yeah, it's, but it does, it is pretty all encompassing. I won't, I won't lie, but I love it. Uh, yeah, it's, you always sound pretty uh, upbeat and excited about what, what you're getting to do. And why wouldn't you be? This is a great, uh, this is a great arena to be, uh, uh, you know, bumping around in. Yeah, can't complain. Can't complain. <laughs> yeah, you got a pretty good job. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of which, speaking of, of traveling and, you know, moving around from place to place, um, the world's 50 best <clears throat> has moved uh, to a, a spot it's never been before for the first time this year in October. It's going to be in Asia, in uh, Singapore. So I would I imagine that you're no stranger to uh, logistics and <laughs> setting things up, but it seems truly ambitious to do it on a continent you've never done it before, and then to not only just be an awards ceremony, but it seems like there's also going to be almost kind of a sort of 
seminar festival environment going on there as well. So talk to me a little bit about what what you all are cooking up and how that all came to be. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's to be honest, I'm, I'm not hugely involved in the actual logistics and operations. We've got a bespoke team of ridiculously talented individuals who do our ops. Um, they plan all the events and they book the venues. They arrange the glassware. They bring in the ice. They, they're, um, they're a dream to work with. And they're the real stars of the, of the whole 50 best operations, to be honest. Um, but yeah, in Singapore, um, it's, a real, it's a real branching out for us. So we, we moved the event, the World 50 Best Bars event, outside of London for the first time in Barcelona uh, last year. And exactly what you say, Greg, um, we didn't quite realize how much the world's bar community would come to town. So we put on we put on three core events, our bartender's feast the night before the awards, the awards themselves, and then the um, and then a, a, a recovery brunch, which we've subsequently renamed for this year, because uh, <laughs> we wouldn't like to suggest that there had been irresponsible drinking the night before. Um, we're calling that the closing party uh, this year. Um, but yeah, and there were there were 89 different events in Barcelona over the course of those three days. And that was everything from guest shift, um, brands throwing parties. Uh, the Mexican bars all got together and hired a disused uh, warehouse, built a Nacho Libre wrestling ring, and basically had bartenders wrestling each other until the, until the early hours. Um, and that was purely bonkers. And that was the night before the event itself there were bartenders turning up with with with, with bandages on with, with slings <laughs> bruises all over their faces um hilarious hilarious so yeah we, did, we didn't quite anticipate what that was going to do for the ecosystem of of the city itself which is obviously great for those local bars so yeah when we go to singapore fortunately we've, we've held asia's 50 best bars in singapore before we did it there in 2018 2019 so we're quite familiar with the infrastructure there and how everything runs and we know it's super efficient and the venues are great. So it's kind of an easy choice for us to take it out to Singapore this year. Uh, October 17 is the um, is the awards themselves. But we'll look like you like you say, when we're going to a new destination, there's always things that we that we're learning and that there's that we don't anticipate might be a problem. Uh, like I say, we're hosting um, North America's 50 best bars in San Miguel de Allende. Um, next week and, and the ops team I was just talking about we we didn't realize that there would be nobody producing speciality ice in the um, in the entire city so we're essentially uh, getting the ice produced in Mexico City and trying to get it up which is three and a half hours by road all of the speciality ice for a, a 1200 person event at the at the actual party itself um, and, and not to mention that I think the, the combined number of Nick and Nora glasses across the whole city was 45. Um, so, we, yeah. <laughs> so we've uh, we've essentially had to we've had to, we're going to buy a load of glassware to get the event to run successfully, and then we'll donate that to the to the local bars in the area. Um, so yeah, those cool. little those little those little operational aspects, which we don't think about when we say, "Yeah, San Miguel de Allende looks like an amazing city." Um, yeah, it does come with plenty of complications. Yeah, uh, in that talk there, you mentioned something that made that reminded me. I wanted to talk about it a little bit earlier, but we can circle back. You've now broken 50 Best into three distinct chunks, right? There's 50 Best World, 50 Best Asia, 50 Best North America. So what was what spurred that decision? I mean, I remember when 50 Best Asia came onto the scene, it was because, well, Asia is just huge, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, well, so exactly that. So yeah, 2009, the, we, we launched the, the world event. Uh, 2016, um, Asia came into the fore. And yeah, 2022, last year, we, we did North America. And essentially, that kind of comes down to our principle with, with the 50 best brand as a whole is to sort of shine a light on 
greater breadth of the cocktail industry. And when we go, when we can actually train that spotlight and focus in on a continent like Asia or North America, it allows us to recognize a greater number of bars. Obviously, there can only be 50 in the world. Um, but then when we bring it to Asia, it, it means that lots of countries which haven't featured before on the world program are able to, to get a foot in on their local continents um, program. Similarly, in North America, last year, we got lots of bars from states and destinations which have never made the world list. We, got, we had bars from sort of Colorado, um, Arizona, and, and smaller venues, smaller cities and towns where where they would be unlikely to make it to the world list because that vote is so wide and mm -hmm. relatively few um, people visit those destinations on a global scale when compared to the global cocktail metropolises of, uh, of New York, London, Barcelona, Paris, Singapore. Right. Right. Makes sense. It really does. And I'm, I'm kind of glad you broke it down that way. Are you still doing uh, you know, there was always the 50 best and then the 51 to 100, I think it was called to watch or up and coming or whatever. Are you still exactly. doing that as well? Yeah. So for the world event, um, we, we launched that sort of five, six years ago, um, which, which again lets us spread that spotlight onto double the number of destinations. In Asia, we unveiled that for the first time last year. And when in North America, what we usually say is we really look to focus on that top 50 for the first three years of an awards program. And then we'll look to extend it to the 51 to 100 once people have become familiar with our brand as the 50 best, because the 50 best celebrating 100 bars, it's like, that's a bit, that's a bit weird, right? <laughs> Well, um, <laughs> I, I've, even, I've even I've even said on the show numerous times the, the, yeah. the couple of years that we were on the fifty one I would I would drop it on my guests I would be like yeah we we're uh, we're number seventy seven on the fifty best bars list and I'd just walk away and they'd be like congratulations yeah. what? that doesn't uh... <laughs> but no, I usually exactly. it, yeah. it was it was great bar banter for me. Yeah, we do appreciate it. It's, it's a bit of an anomaly with the brand. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so we, we give it we give it three years of trying to sort of um, establish ourselves in a destination before we uh, before we bring bring fifty. Before we bring that back. Souther, what what are your fifty best bars? I mean, not not your your personal list of uh, you know bars oh, you've been to of my fifty I mean, bars. Your yeah. own bars, your fifty <laughs> bars that you own. What are your favorite? We're, Rank them, yeah, please. Now. There. <laughs> we're getting there. We're getting there. Number one is Grand Army. That's <laughs> yeah, adorable. Uh, listen, man, this has been fascinating and really enlightening, Mark, to have you on. Um, and I also uh, a little bit uh, jealousy-inducing, man. I feel like you've got a really mm -hmm. cool job, and I would love to, to have cool. it. <laughs> um, no. I'd love to have it or be a part of it. Um, but yeah, uh, is there anything else that maybe we missed that you want to plug or talk about before we sort of wrap up the show? No, you've been very kind, giving me so much airtime, guys. Really, really appreciate it. But yeah, if um, any of your listeners would like to find out the uh, the, the, the world of fifty best bars in North America, we will be um, we'll be we'll be streaming it live. The, oh. the whole countdown on our on our YouTube channel at Fifty Best Bars TV from eight thirty on uh, May fourth. Um, so Star Wars Day to everyone, everyone out there. It's going to be um, it's going to be it's going to be a big party. And yeah, it should be. We've got lots of surprises in store on the um, on the evening itself. So we, we're really quite looking forward to it. And yeah, please do tune in. Um, it's going to be it's going to be fun. Check out our Instagram, and you'll get you'll be linked right through to that live stream. Sure, the Instagram is cool. just fifty best bars, fifty the number five zero best bars, correct? Um, yes. And then uh, if anyone wants to get in touch with you on Instagram, you're at uh, your name Mark Sansom one, right? Um, That's me, but my, my Instagram's terribly dull. Definitely go to uh, 50 best. <laughs> I bet you have some pretty cool shit on your Instagram. <laughs> if you like cats. <laughs> yes. I mean, yes. well, the internet likes cats. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's a popular topic all the time. 
um, man, this has been really great and really informative. I, I yeah, appreciate you taking the, taking the time to sit down and talk to us. Thanks so much, guys. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I really appreciate you. This has been a really great time having you back on the show, I would like to say. And then next time you're back, we can talk about the 50 best Airbnbs. Um, oh, God. That, that's the next that's next year <laughs> i would like uh, to know i mean and there's some good ones out there um but yeah thanks a lot guys it's been uh it's been an awesome show it's been an awesome year so far and thanks for holding things down uh while i've been going through you know marriage planning and all that stuff uh, going through a major now, life event yeah man you gotta What's hold cool? it down for three more weeks while i go on vacation hey anyone, so. uh, envious of that um and once again, Damon, congratulations. Really, uh, really excited for you to embark on this new part of your life, buddy. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Well, that's it for the Speakeasy this week. Check out Heritage Radio Network for many other programs like this one. And until next week, cheers, everyone. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. So you don't shun the devil with your The Speakeasy is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food and drink radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.